Thank you for joining us. I hope today's message builds your faith and inspires you to change the way you think. Pastor Dwayne is continuing in the series, The Journey of the Follower, with today's message, The End Goal. In Hebrews, the Bible says to let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way. Let us look only to Jesus. He is the truth, the way, and the light. When the journey gets hard, we must endure by keeping our eye on the end goal, eternity with the one true king. Today, I want to talk to you about, again, the process of a Christian becoming a disciple. So Jesus said, when he arose from the dead, Matthew 28, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, notice Jesus said to make disciples. In other words, there's a process. You probably will not receive the Lord and immediately be a fully committed disciple. There's a process. He said you need to make disciples. And really, when, when you think about what do we do here at Res Life, we only do two things. Everything falls under one of two categories. We are either winning the lost or making disciples. That's our mission. That's our mission. Win the lost, make disciples. So you say, what do you mean I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm not necessarily a disciple yet? Well, as I've mentioned before, some of us get saved like I did. And my main motivation for getting saved was I wanted fire insurance. You say, what do you mean? I didn't want to go to hell. And that's not a bad reason. That's actually a very good reason to get saved. In fact, Jesus said, fear him who not just kills the body, but can throw into everlasting torment. That's a good reason. Other people get saved because of the benefits. You say, what do you mean? Well, David wrote in Psalms 103, and he said, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies your mouth with good things. You know, he's your hiding place, your strong tower, your shields, your provider, your mountain, your healer, your victor, your righteousness. You know, there are benefits, and that's good. That's a good place to start, but it's not a good finish line. And then really there's some people that I would just call cultural Christians. And uh, they, they identify themselves as a Christian, but they really haven't even crossed the starting line to become a follower of Jesus. They acknowledge a lot of things in their head, but it hasn't made any difference in the way that they live. So Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, he said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, notice he said, deny himself. And we are living in a society which is really self-focused. You deserve it. You know, we, we've taken selfies with our selfie stick, right? It's just all about me. But Jesus said, look, when you become my disciple, you deny yourself, right? You take up your cross, the will of God, and you follow me. In Luke 14, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, when it says hate here, it's just talking about in comparison. It's just saying when you, be, when you follow Jesus and you become his disciple, you are all in. There is no surrender. There's no retreat. There's no backing up. You follow Jesus 100%, and he is the number one pursuit of your life. And it's not easy. That's why the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, following Jesus, being his disciple, denying yourself, picking up your cross is going to mean you are going to endure hardship. It's not going to be easy, right? In Ephesians 4, it says this in verse 12. Why it is that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best. It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. Finally, we all that we tell until finally we all believe alike about our salvation and about our Savior, God's Son, and all become full grown in the Lord. Yes, to the point of being filled full with Christ. Till we all become full grown in the Lord. Another translation says, be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So this is a process, and every single one of us need to be looking what is our next step. No matter where you are, there is a next step for you. If you're committed, if you're saying, I'm going to be a disciple, what's my next step? Now, for some, it might be you need to get baptized. For some of you, your next step is serving. For some of you, it's something to do with your giving. For others, it may be growth track. Or it may be you need, there's an addictive behavior in your life that needs to be dealt with. Right? It might be a daily quiet time where you're taking time every day in the Word and every day in prayer. But for every one of us, wherever we are, there is a next step where we stretch, where we grow, where we deny ourselves, where we take up our cross and we follow Him. Right? And it may be in your life that the next step has to do with a person. It may have to do with a behavior. It may have to do with possessions. A disciple gives up everything and anything so that nothing gets in the way of the love they have for Christ and his power working in our lives. We don't let anything get in the way. We want to worship. We want to serve. Literally, when you become a disciple and you're totally committed, it changes the way that you see everything. It changes your entertainment. It changes the way you see your family. And if you're, your parents, you know, the Bible talks in numerous places about you're taking your faith and transferring that faith to your children. It talks about Abraham do it. It talks about in Deuteronomy 6, how it's got to be in your heart. And then you're to talk about them daily with your family, about your money, your security. You know, here's the thing. When it comes to money, for so many people, it's security, it's power, it's position, but all of those things need to be subordinate to Christ. When you're a Christ follower, he's number one. He's your security. 
He's your position. He's everything to you, right? So money is a terrible master, a great servant, a great tool to worship, to bless, to help. In fact, God even thinks a little bit differently about money than you do. In Ephesians 4, listen to this. Let him who stole steer, steal no longer, but rather let him labor. And everybody says, yeah, that's right. Working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. He may have something to what? Give. You know, we think about the first reason for money is to take care of ourselves. You know, but when God thinks about you and money, he thinks the first thing is, you, there's a part of that, the first portion, the, I mean, it's not the last portion, it's the first portion. The first portion of that is not for you. The first portion of that is for you to sow to be a blessing. We just think about ourselves. But when you're a kingdom person, when you're a disciple, you deny yourself. Your trust, your confidence, it's in him it's not in you. I remember when Jeannie and I uh, graduated from Bible college and went to Mexico. Now, we, we were dumb as a rock. Seriously. Uh, we came up to Michigan and we said goodbye to my mother, my sister, our friends. We went to Washington State. We said goodbye to her parents, her siblings, her friends. And we went to Mexico. And you say, how much support did you have? None. He said, you mean like how many churches were helping you? None. How many people were helping you? Well, none that we knew of. We just went. And you say, why did you go? Because our trust and our confidence was in the Lord. I'm not recommending it. Like I said, we are dumber than a rock. All right. How many of you know God does use people? You know, we were there for, for a few months, and, and uh, we, we had a man come down from Melody Land Christian Center we were doing a lot of uh, street witnessing, passing out a tremendous amount of literature with the young people that we had in our church. And uh, he came down just to find out who we were. And he came and stayed with us for 10 days. And as he was leaving, he said to me, he says, man, he says, I'm just really impressed with, you know, the, the church that you guys have got going and all the work that you're doing. He said, uh, I'm going to go back. He says, now, I think that our church will support you with $1,000 a month, but I personally guarantee $500 a month. And this is what I said to him. I said, oh, no, don't do that. We want God to bless us. <laughs> yeah, I told you we were dumb as a rock. All right? Dumb as a rock. Was, no, we want God to bless us. We don't want people to bless us. We want God to bless us. If somebody says, if you change, try me. You know what I found out? God, how many of you know what God uses? God uses, God uses people, all right? But, we, but, but our trust and our confidence was not in money, and it wasn't in people. It was in the Lord. And, and literally for three and a half years, we didn't have a single church support us. And we just saw God do supernatural thing after supernatural thing after supernatural thing, right? Well, I remember when we became the pastors here, um, met with Pastor Bug and, and then met with the board and and uh, they hired us, and, and uh, we didn't know how much we made for two months. They didn't tell us what our salary was. I didn't care because I'd have done it for free because our trust and our confidence wasn't in money, wasn't in man. It was in the Lord.
You know, somebody has said to me, hey, do you have to preach? No, I get to. You know, when, when it comes to doing something for God, it's not a have to. It is a get to. It's a get to, right? That's what we want to do, right? Uh, we, we surrender everything to him, right? It's not mine, it's his. I want to ask you a question. If Jesus was in control of your calendar, would it change? If he controlled your calendar, would it change? Because when, when you deny yourself and you take up your cross and follow him, we're surrendering that to him, right? Everything we surrender. And when we say no, it says this in Hebrews chapter 3. The Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the rebellion, in the days of trial, in the wilderness. See, it shouldn't be a duty. It should be a get-to. Right? He says, but when we don't, he says, we, we harden our hearts. And it gets more difficult to hear the Spirit of the Lord. It gets more difficult to obey the Spirit of the Lord. It's worth surrendering everything to God. You know, it's in Genesis 5 that it talks about a man named Enoch, and it says he walked with God. And that's literally what, as a disciple, our relationship with God is supposed to be. It's supposed to be are walking with God every day as a friend. We're submitted to him. And when we become a disciple like that, our life becomes extraordinary. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, born anew, spiritually transformed and renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he has set or prepared so that we could walk in them, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. So no matter who you are, if you're a disciple of Christ, God has prepared good works for you to do. And he has already has paths for you to walk on. And here's what I love. It says living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us. I know people think, if I ever follow God, my life will be miserable. If I decide to follow God, he'll make me marry an ugly person and go to the darkest continent on earth. To be a missionary where there's no electricity and no running water and live in a mud hut. Right? But the truth is this, that God shaped you prepared you, created you, formed you, gave you gifts and abilities, that there is nothing in this world that will bring you more fulfillment, more happiness, more peace, and more joy than being right in the middle of the will of God. And it's a paradox, the kingdom of God. Because everything in the kingdom of God, it's upside down to what you think it would naturally be. Now, to be great in the kingdom... Jesus said you need to be the servant of all. To be great, you be a servant. It's not how many people serve you. It's how many people can you bless, how many people can you serve. If you want to find your life, Jesus said you have to lose your life. <clears throat> to be filled, you have to empty yourself. And to have true riches, you need to give generously. And to save your life, Jesus said, 
give your life. Passionate, total devotion to Jesus is the fullest life that there is with more love, more joy, more peace, more righteousness, and your life literally becomes that extraordinary life that the Bible calls the good life he prepared for you. Paul describes this life transformation of purpose, motives, and desires being led by the Spirit of God in Romans chapter 12. And these first two verses, they really are the key to Christian to a victorious Christian life. But here's what it says. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Here's what people think. Unless I'm doing something super spiritual, I'm not really serving God. No, I gotta go to some part of Africa or India, or I've gotta go out down into the Amazon and in, in South America and get way back somewhere. And then I'm really serving God. But take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you walk around life and place it before God as an offering. In other words, you're saying, God, everything I do every day, I'm going to do it with you and for you, and no matter where I'm at, I'm available to you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you're fixed into it without even thinking. In other words, don't be a cookie cutter of what everybody else is doing. Because when you're led by the Spirit of God, when you're a disciple, when you're totally committed to him, your life is going to be different. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, deploys well-formed maturity in you. Every day, sleeping, eating, working, walking around, not just when you're fasting and praying or reading your Bible. Everyday life in the kingdom of God. Whether you're a banker, a teacher, a domestic coordinator, that means a stay-home wife, machine operator, a mother, a salesperson. You know, we, we think, oh, God's just going to be pleased if I'm like Billy Graham or Joyce Myers. No, wherever you are and what you're doing, that's where God's got you. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, don't try to change that. Right where you are, be the light that God wants you to be. Matthew 5, Jesus said, You're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's during your everyday walk around eating, life, work life, everything that you do. In Psalms 119, it says, Teach me your decrees, O Lord, and I'll keep them to the end. Give me understanding and obey your instruction. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. And where your fulfillment, where your happiness, where the abundant life is, 
is when you're totally committed to him living the life that he prepared for you. Peter said, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right where you are. It's Martin Luther who said that the milkmaid that milks the cow and the pastor who preaches the sermon both serve God equally. Wherever you're at as you're a disciple, you bring the kingdom of God. And as a disciple, you connect with God's purpose. And it brings extraordinary identity, extraordinary security, extraordinary joy, extraordinary peace, extraordinary purpose, a desire to be used by God. When we put the kingdom of God above the kingdom of man, when we prioritize Jesus over other people, we're willing to pay any price to follow him, our lives become extraordinary in the adventure of a lifetime. I think it was about 10 years ago that we had Stanley Tan, Tan come and speak at our, our business lunch. Uh, Stanley Tan at that time, I think, was 93. I know he's 103 today, right? And in, he began in business in the 1930s. And at one point, he was nearly bankrupt. Uh, in between himself and his father, they put together $37 to keep things going, right? But what he decided to do was he decided he's going to submit his business to God with such a commitment that he literally hired an attorney, right, and ceded legal ownership of his company to Christ. And he said, I'm setting my salary, and I'm just going to keep my salary right here. And it has been now over 70 years, and he's given over $140 million to spread the gospel. 103 years old. And I remember talking to him when he was here, and he was just in his 90s. And my only question was this, do you have any regrets? Any regrets? He's the biggest smile, wrinkled little face, big smile. He says, no regrets. No regrets. Jesus is not an add-on. And, and by the way, God doesn't ask everybody to do that. But he does ask everybody to do something. Right? He's prepared paths for every single one of us. The Bible says he's prepared good works for you to do. And Jesus is not an add-on. Right? And he's definitely not a slave of our consumer Christianity. He's not a convenience or a Sunday-only God or a cosmic bellhop. And he's not into playing church. He's not a good luck charm. He's our Lord. He's King of Kings. He owns us spirit soul and body spirit so he, we belong to him right and and he said this he says you know he said let your light shine he says that men see your good works and they glorify your father in heaven he says and you don't need to do it to be seen by men he said because your father who sees in secret he's going to see what you do and jesus said he will reward you openly we don't belong to ourselves, other people, any organization or pursuit. You and I, we belong to Jesus. And he needs to be the number one pursuit of our life. You know, the disciples' prayer is fill me, command me, use me, I am yours. Right? And, and, and not a have to, it's a get to. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. One died for all, then I'll die. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we're no longer to live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. If we could bring back the Apostle Peter or the Apostle Paul, and he could follow the life, your life, for a week, would he think, is this what Christianity has become? It's now about me? Or would he say, this is great. It's just being passed on from generation to generation the way that we loved Jesus and served Jesus in the beginning. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, you see what this means? Now he's telling us in Hebrews chapter 11, he said there's all of these great men and women of faith. There's Moses and there's Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and David and Isaiah. And he talks about all these different people of faith. And he says, you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get with it. Uh, in your King James Bible, it actually uses the phrase that there's this cloud of witnesses. And the word cloud there is the word that they, they use in the Colosseums about the uppermost seats. Now, you're way up there. You're, you're going to be way up on the top. And they say, you got the cloud seat today. And, and literally, what, what Paul is saying, he's saying all of these great men and women of faith that have gone on to heaven before us, he says, they're kind of looking over the banister, right? And they're cheering you on. You know, I'm sure they don't know when you get a new car or get a raise, but they know when you make a commitment to Jesus. And they know if you're serving the Lord. And they're cheering us on. It means we better get with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasite sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He, he never lost sight of where he was going. Somebody says Jesus came to go to the cross. That, that really is not true. Jesus came to go to a resurrection. He just had to go through a cross to get to a resurrection and an ascension where he's seated at the right hand of God. And what he's telling us is that we can't just look at the difficulties and the situations or even the sacrifice that you make. You need to look beyond it and look to your reward. That's what the Bible says Moses did. He forsook everything Egypt had to offer because he looked to his reward. And now there he is in a place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. It'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. When you realize, I'm not just here for this life. This is just a dress rehearsal for where I'm headed, and I'm headed for heaven. 
That's where I'm going. And when we do, it says it puts adrenaline into our souls to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and follow him. Say, I'm so glad that you've been with us today. And I believe that God is speaking to you. And it may be that you know in your heart you're not right with God. You're not forgiven. In fact, the Bible says to know that you have everlasting life. You know, some people just think, well, I hope I'm a Christian. I hope I'm forgiven. I hope I'm saved. I hope I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible says to know that you have. You see, in fact, if you don't know that you're right with God, know you're forgiven, you're not where you should be with God. And if you're away from the Lord, but you don't know where you stand with God, I want to invite you right now to pray a prayer, to receive the forgiveness Jesus offers, and to give your life to Him, to surrender your life. Just take and make these words your own. Just speak these words out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe His blood paid for my sins. I believe He rose again. And I believe He's coming again. Today, I receive the forgiveness Jesus purchased for me. And today, I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I surrender to Jesus. He is my Lord. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I am forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever in Jesus' name. You know, if you prayed that from your heart, God heard your prayer, and you really are forgiven and part of the family of God. Now, God wants us to keep growing spiritually. And I have a book that I've written called Your New Life. And I want to give you a copy absolutely free. And this book is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. Keep walking by faith. Keep living a life that's pleasing to God. Uh, you can download the book absolutely free. Just get online and I know it's going to bless you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. Did you know that you can find today's message available for free on our app? You can watch it right there or download it and save it for later. You can also follow along with Pastor's scriptures and share images on your social media. Or you can find today's program and others at walkingbyfaith.tv. Just click on Watch Latest Program. And as always, you can purchase a copy in the WBF store. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to help change the lives of others through Walking by Faith, please visit walkingbyfaith.tv give for more information on becoming a partner with us. If you need someone to pray with or God is doing some amazing things in your life, we would love to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, through our app, or on Facebook or Instagram. Have a wonderful week.